0: Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as He makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com. So, reading from Psalm 13 from the ESV How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be to God. You may be seated. So, we've been in Psalms for most of this summer. I think we're in the last few weeks. This is uh, my first time and only time preaching in this series. And um, I picked a doozy. <laughs> A, free, a few days ago, a friend and I were checking with each other via text, and I found out she was about to head into a really difficult meeting. She was telling me what was gone, and I was like, oh, that, is, that sounds very difficult. No, thank you. And then she asked what I was up to, and I was about to work on my sermon. I told her this, Psalm 13, the how, lo- how long, O oh Lord passage. She promptly responded with two cringe emojis. So where are they? <laughs> and the one that has a shocked, you know, flushed look. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm assuming she thought of two things. Wow, Tiana, it's been difficult with your son for a long time, I have a son with autism, and it's been, it's been exceptionally difficult the last couple of years. And so I was thinking, she thought, wow, Tiana, are you sure you wanna preach on that? Or her thought was possibly, I wouldn't wanna preach on that, good luck. <laughs> She didn't text anymore on the topic, so I don't know what she was thinking exactly, but I know her pretty well, (laughs) so. I'm sure it was uh, probably both of those. I quickly responded with, oh yeah, sometimes we just gotta jump in. And as Dory from Finding Nemo says, just keep swimming. That was my response. In addition to this interaction, which we could take that down, My husband and another friend chuckled at me. I told them, hey, I'm preaching on Psalm 13 and literally was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Because everyone knows this is a pretty intense psalm. Now, I didn't have to preach on this psalm, we all got to choose. And sweet Dory with her short-term memory loss, if you remember the cartoon, isn't one of my spiritual advisors, even though she is very wise. Plain and simple, this is the one that came to mind, this is the one that became settled in here. A psalm where David asks several hard questions of God. We see him struggle in the psalm, and then he comes to his eventual conclusion. This psalm feels familiar, one that we can read, and if we're honest, one that possibly we've all felt at some point in our life, whether currently or before. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for... um, David's boldness in just talking to you as a friend, just laying it out there. I pray, Lord, that um, things I share today would be of you and the the things that are hard to hear, maybe hard to hear, that we would be able to sit with that and um, know that you are a God that sees these difficult situations and not only sees them but is with us in them as we ask how long, O Lord. Amen. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Hold these four, five questions as we look at these few slides. beginning. You may be familiar with what's happening in these slides, but just in case you aren't, I do want to give a recap of each one. On May 25th, 2020, George Perry Floyd Jr. was murdered by now former police officer Derek Chauvin. And we could, if we, can we just stay on the first one? Uh, during an, ar- an arrest made after a store clerk suspected Floyd of using a counterfeit $20 bill. So a man died over this. His murder was one amongst many that year at the hands of police. I don't know if 2020 was the worst year, but it was a bad year for that. Historically, we know, or maybe you don't know, policing has its roots in slave patrols dating back to 1700s. The mission was to establish a system of terror and squash slave uprising with the capacity to pursue, apprehend, and return runaway slaves to their masters. Tactics included the use of excessive force to control and produce desired slave behavior. So we know that the role of policing was born from something warped and evil. Not to say that all policemen or policewomen are evil, but that is what it was born from. And George Floyd and many, many others have experienced them in their worst moments. I believe black people for a long time have been asking how long, oh Lord. The next slide, the National Crime Information Center reports that in 2016, there were 5,712 reports of missing American Indian and Alaska Native women and girls. Through the U.S. Department of Justice's federal missing person database, Nam USA, they only logged 116 cases, so we know there's more. A red hand over the mouth has become the symbol of a growing movement, the MMIW, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Woman Movement, It stands for all the missing sisters whose voices are not heard. It stands for the silence of the media and law enforcement in the midst of this crisis. It stands for the oppression and subjugation of Native women who are now rising up to say, hashtag, no more stolen sisters. We too are reminded with Thursday's disappearance of Alabama native Carly Russell that there are tens of thousands missing Black women and children. This morning I did find out that Carly returned home, which is an answer to prayer. They don't know all the details yet, but she's at the hospital currently being evaluated, so that is an answer to prayer. So yes, we can clap, we can give God praise. We don't have to be be afraid to do that. Uh, The number, the next slide. The number of those experiencing homelessness in America is about 582,462. That's a lot for a rich nation. This is an increase of about 2,000 people since the last complete census conducted in 2020. Worldwide, it's estimated that 150 million people are homeless. Those numbers are high, the reasons vary, National dis- natural disasters, unforeseen circumstances, addiction, returning citizens whose criminal records limit their housing options, those fleeing from abuse, mental illness, and etc. we know there's more reasons. A friend, this last picture, a friend, Mike Choby, who many of you know, posted this picture of this man with a flag standing in front of heavily armed police. I wasn't entirely sure of the context, so I asked. I had an idea, but I wasn't totally sure. This past week, Belarusian political performer and cartoonist, Alice Pushkin, died in prison where he was serving a five-year sentence. He was not known to be sick, his wife reported, and the details are really, really murky. He was known for, for being very vocal against an authoritarian government. And this guy, I was reading about him, my friend Mike sent me a ton of stuff. He was quirky and he just, he just went for it. He just went for it. There's plenty that he did that uh, was interesting, but his, he was uh, against this government that was oppressive. And uh, many people either disappeared or died under his ruling or his, he's still currently in office. We know there's so much nationally and internationally causing grief and displacement such as civil war, natural disasters, the refugee crisis, American gun violence. As of early July, the Gun Violence Archive has counted more than 330 shootings in the United States. Did you hear me? 330 mass killings. That's that's, let alone the individual situations. Lord have mercy. So I would imagine we all have heard of one or more of these and that there might be people in this room that have been proximate to these painful situations or know somebody who has been or themselves are in it. In these situations, these moments, we cry out, how long, O Lord? Wanting people's humanity to be what we see first, knowing that they are made in the image of God. But do all who can encounter them Think that, know that. Wanting real and lasting solutions, wanting praying, hoping that God is hearing our hearts cry. How long, O oh Lord? And to bring this a little closer to home, we have pain and longings in this space as well. Two years ago in this room we prayed for Tim Kleinert, emotional, who was diagnosed with brain cancer. He and his family continue to walk in the reality of this diagnosis, taking it one day at a time. Cancer has affected so many people we love. This past week, we were at the Argyle Market, and two men came up to me and wanted prayer, knowing that either I was a pastor or with the church, and one in particular was really, really scared. We long for a lasting cure for each, of each and every kind of cancer. So we ask again, how long, O oh Lord? We live with other sicknesses and limitations. As individuals, there is much we ask God to provide, and some things we ask him to take away. And sometimes we are asking, maybe even begging, for years. We desire for our children who are far off and estranged to know love and healing and ultimately know Christ and to be a part of our lives again. We ask for mental anguish to be relieved. We look at the church knowing she could be so much more and what better for her and those she welcomes. We long for children that our bodies at this time have not made space for. And I could go on and on and on. What causes us to ask these questions that David asked, and many of you would shake your head in agreement or amen. How long? O Lord. And the other verses, our enemies feel very present and at times appear to have the victory. When have you felt that way when it's like, man, these enemies are just crowding in on me. The despair, the sadness, the grief, the anger, the brokenheartedness are also overwhelming and maybe can be perceived as enemies. We like David in verse three say, consider and answer me, O Lord my God, light up my eyes. I love that, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So here we are, having looked out there, having looked in here, in here maybe, and you might be thinking, thanks, Tiana. (laughs) It's a lovely day, I'm here in town for a wedding with my friends. What on earth did I come to? Well, when you pick Psalm 13, you gotta go with what's in Psalm 13. And so, (laughs) thanks, Mom. (laughs) My mom's my cheerleader, and she's wearing black and white, as I said, I love that. And like so many of the Psalms, we have to look at the manner of real life, right? Like we know the stuff that's fun and fluffy and we need that, we need good tacos, we need amusement parks, or some people do, but we gotta also look at the things that are real, the things that paint us, these realities at life. Where am I, lost my spot. I believe we need to be okay with that and there are two more verses, so it doesn't end with just the verses that are difficult. Reading verses five and six from the NIV. But I trust in your unfailing love, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And again, back to the ESV. But I trust in your steadfast love, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, he has dealt bountifully with me. I love that. So we know that steadfast love means it's unchanging, it's firmly fixed in place, it's immovable, it's not subject to change. So his love, in the midst of all this, in the midst of what we're going through, personally, nationally, internationally, we know that God's love is a fixed, unchanging reality. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, wow, we have some things that are consistent. That's wonderful. Everything that precedes this is, is seen and heard by God. We know that, and we know that God's even working. The cries, the helplessness, the uncertainty, even the hopeless feelings, he holds those, he can handle those, and he is with us in it. This chapter ends with a picture of God's love, an unchanging love that reveals his character, the loving God. Verse five speaks of salvation, which means to serve a God that no, not only loves us, and love is wonderful, and it is why, Jesus came, but also a God that saves and delivers us. So in this context, in the Old Testament, salvation is about deliverance and being saved. Psalm 27 has some similar language. David acknowledges the despair and his enemies, and yet he is aware that his God is there I don't know about you, but for me, it is so easy to rail against the systems. I'm very vocal. I'm a little bit of a ranter and a raver at times. It's easy to rail against the systems, the patriarchy, white supremacy, evil governments, all the stuff that screams brokenness. And sometimes you got to be vocal. I get that. Or maybe, you know, hopefully get that. <laughs> it's overwhelming. The grief and sadness as well can swallow us up if we sit in their company too long. Now that we won't sit there at times, but if we sit there too long, it's almost more than our bodies can take. And it is for, and it is easy to forget, at least I've experienced this, that God is saying to seek Him, to bring it to Him. So this is a plug for prayer, and this is a reminder to allow God into the conversation with you. And as I referenced uh, Psalm 27 with similar language in that Psalm a little longer, Psalm 20, 27, 8 says, Seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. So we seek his face. We're we, we, we aware of all this chaos. We're aware of all this pain. We're aware of all this destruction. And we keep seeking his face. We keep looking forward. Or he might be to the side of us and we look to the side and then we look to this side. But knowing that God is present with us because we are choosing to do an action of seeking him. Earlier last week as I was reading Psalm 13 and considering what there might be for us in this chapter, one of my favorite conversations in the Bible came to mind and this might be a leap, but I I I think it works. (laughs) Right before this particular conversation in John six, Jesus is talking about how he's the bread of life and that the ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. Jesus is going all in telling them the truth of who he is and what he offers. And reading, you start to feel like literally, I felt the offense of the Jews. (laughs) They were not having it. They ask, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus just continues speaking in even more detail, because Jesus just, just goes there, about being sent by the Father and that he lives because of the Father. And he says, so the one who feeds on me will live forever. Can you imagine being in a synagogue, hearing a man teach, and he says this? Well, Jesus, Jesus is aware of the of the grumblings. He's saying this while teaching, and folks are literally freaking out. So imagine this: like if you if somebody came and said that in this context, "Feed on my flesh," we'd probably be like, "Oh, um, okay." Uh. And so they were they were having a moment. And what follows is what I want to read from John 6:60 6, 60 through 69. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, "This is a hard teaching," which it would be. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed. And this is my favorite part right here. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Can you imagine just having that kind of clarity? You have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So Peter's affirming him as you know this, you believe it. This is, where else do we have? Who else do we have except you? This is the Son of God who loves us. He is the one that is with you in the sadness and in your journey. He is the one that when we flee, he's still there. Like, he was like, are you about to leave? I mean, he's, he's not going anywhere. This is the one that hears the cry of our heart when no one else quite gets it. This is the one who hears your prayers. This is the one who we can ask, how long, O oh Lord? And no matter the length of time, he is with us because he's Emmanuel. To whom shall we go? You have the words to eternal life. And getting back to the psalm, additionally, with all the concerns and the weight of this world, we know that God does care about justice. Author Tim Stanford writes this in a short commentary on psalms and God's justice in the NIV Bible, which is, which is a regular Bible, it's that thick, but they have a lot of writers who write um, little commentaries before each book. These deeply emotional poems have a theme, the struggle to set the world right. The psalmist praise God for his mighty works of justice and they plead with God, save me from evil. Come and judge the world, set things right. The teach teaches how to pray about everything. Most of all, they teach us how to pray about justice. Further down in his commentary, Stafford writes, the psalmist do understand that God is at work to set a violent and unjust world right. The psalms are designed to wake us up and enlarge our minds and feelings. The they teach us how to pray for the weak and the vulnerable. They teach us how to pray as the weak and the vulnerable. We too can sing the songs of justice. End quote. So when we read chapters like Psalm 13 and we ask our questions of God, we can know He is at work in us, in our world, and also invites us into His work. And that's a gift, actually. Prayer is something absolutely we need to do, several of us need to do it more, but we're also invited into the work of justice, into the work of loving our neighbor, into the work of seeing the least of these, into the work of knowing we are the least of these and responding because with him lies the hope. I didn't know my mom was gonna be here, but um, so there's a few topics I talk about a lot I realize. Black Panther because it was revolutionary, come on guys. My children, and more recently my brother who died, um, was found dead in September. And at that time I received a book, Uh, a friend of mine had given me, same friend who texted me the emojis, (laughs) the words, Psalms for the struggle, the words of her mouth. And it's just this person, uh, the editor takes Psalms and about, I don't know, 20 different authors and they, Either comment on the whole psalm in a poem or reflections, or they comment on a couple verses. And so, um, Julia Seymour—I don't—I don't really know much about her. If she's a pastor or author or what, um, she responds to part of Psalm 13. So, I'm going to read you that as our closing, because TT preaches short. <laughs> it is a lovely day. You got to get out. So, this is for Psalm uh, 13, from uh, verse 2a that she's responding to. How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? The cycles of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance are idols. There are mile markers on a highway I am not traveling. In my pain, I am not only a clearly marked trail, but bushwhacking through brush crossing unknown rivers, backtracking and circling to see the same space again and again. These alleged compass points meant to show progress in my journey are only useful if they are printed on a handkerchief. Then I wipe my face with them and, we, and see more clearly. I call out and I can hear a chorus of false friends and e- with easy platitudes, but they don't know this terrain. Only when I glimpse the shadows of fellow travelers on their own trails, when I hear the birds and watch squirrels jump, when the water is clean and clear and full of life, then I remember I am not alone. Everything is still hard, but I remember I am not alone. Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com.